Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Ashback. And I am Batman's secret identity, Matt Golden. As you might have guessed by Matt's colorful intro this week, this episode is dedicated entirely to Batman. You're fucking right it is. Batman is a hero who needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyways, Alex. Yeah, we'll be talking about the Batman movies, we'll be talking about the Bat family, the Bat comics, but we're actually going to start out ranking all of the Batman portrayed in the films. Hell yeah, we are. In the films, not in TV realm. So, sorry, Adam West, you're not a part of this shit. Now, you want to start us off? Yeah, with number five? Yeah. Go up. It can only go up from Val Kilmer, the absolute worst Batman who has ever worn the cowl. See, George Clooney made number five on my list. Uh, that's where you're wrong, kid. That's where you're wrong. He just, to me, he just didn't project like that superhero vibe at all. And it's even weird. I feel like in real life he could be a Bruce Wayne type character, but I, for his portrayal in it just didn't do much for me. Batman is real and he actually is George Clooney. <laughs> I'm pretty positive. Please, out of all the actors on the list, he's not even close to being the most lifelike Batman. Okay, okay. Okay, number four. Ben Affleck. Wow. Is my number four. That means, that's right. Your boy George Clooney made the top three. But Ben Affleck, number four. Batman vs. Superman, solid work, I guess. And then you guys all know my take on Justice League. My biggest problem was with Ben Affleck, so sorry. So once again, Matt showing his terrible taste, and the true number four pick should be Val Kilmer. Ugh, wrong. And I actually liked Kilmer in that role. I didn't think he was a terrible Batman at all. I really think Clooney was the only bad Batman. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I did this more for shock value than anything, but Clooney is my number three Batman. Uh, <laughs> Clooney is not good, but but Clooney's in one of my favorite Batman movies because I was a kid, like we all were once, and I fucking loved that movie, mostly because of Jim Carrey as, too, or as uh, the Riddler, but we'll get into that in a bit. My number three was Christian Bale. What the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? Well, I saw the movie. All right, everybody, we're going to uh, go ahead and end this now. Alex and I aren't friends anymore. That fucking rap bastard can uh, go find a podcast somewhere else. His portrayal was fine. It was great for the Nolan films, but it was a very just dry, even performance. And I think he amped up the back growl a bit too much. Here's the thing is now you have Ben Affleck inside of your top two Batman of all time and I swear to God, if you say you're Ben Affleck is your number one Batman, I will murder you live on this podcast. That means everybody, yes, you will be treated to a live murder. So, you want to say number two? Yeah, I'll say my number two, and that will also reveal my number one. Uh, my number two is obviously Michael fucking Keaton, the original Batman. So that makes you number one, Christian Bale. Yeah, you're goddamn right. And it's is it because of the movies mostly? Fuck yeah, it is, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, my number two is also Michael Keaton. It's the one ranking that you and I both oh agree on. Oh my god, on. you bastard. But that means that the greatest oh, Batman of all time is, of course, ready for Ben murder. Affleck. What's wrong with you? Well, it was nice to see someone... His portrayal of Batman was the closest we've seen on film when it comes to the comics. He was most like the Frank Miller, grizzled, older Batman. We've seen other writers and artists take on that tale, too. 
I hate you so much. I can't even look at you. And ladies and gentlemen, I will be looking away from Alex for the remainder of the podcast. So our usual banter where we're kind of looking each other down and making jokes and cracking wise. There will be no wisecracks today. And really, like, if you're going to put the Batman in tears, Alex in a tear all to himself. And then you start another tear beneath it. Uh, really, though, whenever I read a Batman comic... I think of Kevin Conroy's voice. Like, if it just came to my favorite Batman of all time, it'd be Kevin Conroy from Batman the Animated Series and a bunch of the Batman movies. Because anytime I read Bruce Wayne or Batman, any book I read, that's the voice I hear in my head. All right, I guess I guess we're going to, uh, as my favorite band of all time said, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Uh, that is, of course, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> so, why do you? How do you rank the Batman movies? And these are only the feature length films, not the animated ones. Am I starting from the bottom here? Yeah, start from the bottom. Okay, Batman vs. Superman. Worst Batman movie. Yeah, that, I mean, that might be the worst opinion you've had on this podcast. Because uh, I've, got, I've got eight movies here, and I have two movies. One that stars Val Kilmer as Batman, and one that stars George Clooney as Batman. Above that piece of shit, that shining turd, Dawn of Justice. Now, did I like Donald Justice? Absolutely. Am I doing this for shock value? A little. The worst is Batman and Robin. Uh, the best contribution that Batman and Robin made was that the terrible ice puns that Mr. Freeze made throughout the film <laughs> are used to mock that film and other iterations of Batman. Oh. Uh, well, Batman and Robin is my second to <laughs> second to last year. So, I mean, I get it. See... It's actually number seven is Dark Knight Rises. I can see that. It's, I mean, it's a film that falls apart in the third act. The whole nuclear bomb thing. Bane starts off as a really cool. Do you not like that villain. reveal, though? That Tully then, Al Ghul reveal? I thought that was a nice reveal. But then I was like, oh, apparently Bane's weakness is punching him in his giant mask that Batman <laughs> never thought to do. <laughs> what a master tactician. It's. I thought it was solid. I thought it was great. That It, it was good when I first watched it, but it kind of falls apart. On rewatches and the more you analyze it. Yeah. My number six is Batman Returns. I went wow. with Forever. I'm a little bit more. And I actually, I like I like Batman Forever. I even like Batman and Robin because like you mentioned earlier, when we saw them, we were kids. And I, oh, yeah. I've probably seen both those movies a couple dozen times. As an adult, zero times for both of them. <laughs> because I have these rose-colored glasses on. And I don't want to... Like tarnish that memory because I know if I go back and rewatch either one of those movies, they would just plummet. I wouldn't even consider them good films, and I will defend them to people knowing I haven't seen them in over a decade. La Vian Rose is what that's called, and I think that's a a a beautiful old song by like Elvis or something. Hold me close and hold me fast. That was Matt does not have a future as an Elvis impersonator. Uh, I think you're wrong, but okay. The dream died here. My number five is Dark Knight Rises. Uh, yeah, just not the not the best, not the worst. I went with Returns for my number five. Uh, I really enjoyed Michelle Pfeiffer's portrayal as Catwoman. I enjoyed D- Danny DeVito. I thought it was perfect as the Penguin in that role. That is the weirdest fucking Penguin of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it really fucking is. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I have trouble getting over is how weird his Penguin is. Not that Penguin's not supposed to be weird, but he's got like weird feet. And I don't, I don't think Penguin's supposed to quite be like that in any comic that I've read. He's just kind of like a mob boss dude. Yeah, or in in uh, 
Batman for no Batman Returns. He's just a fucking like human penguin. Yeah, where he's That's eating like weird raw fish shit, yeah. and not in the form of sushi, but just bones and all. I mean, yeah. I'm all for having a solo movie with Danny DeVito as that penguin. I also love like in that movie too, like he somehow like runs a successful political campaign as the creepiest, yeah. weirdest looking dude of all time. Yeah, yeah. somehow he's and the, he's beloved by at least yeah. a large percentage of the Gotham population. Uh, my number four movie is Batman Forever, just because of the sentimental value it holds from when I was a kid. Uh, Jim Carrey as Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. They play off each other really well. Yeah, I enjoyed both film. their performances. Again, I haven't seen over a decade and it's all my rose-colored glasses. Yeah. I and mean, actually, it's, it's the worst Batman of all time, Val Kilmer, but, you know, it I think is what it is. most of the Batman films are on U.S. Netflix right now, too, so there's part of me that wants to go back and rewatch them. Oh, you totally should. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't want to ruin that memory. On Black Friday, I saw Batman, the original Michael Keaton film, for a dollar on DVD. What? <laughs> My girlfriend talked me out of buying it, by the way. How did oh. she how she talked to me out of buying a one dollar no. DVD? I'll never know, but she did. It also makes it seem like you guys are like really hurting for cash. <laughs> yeah, around Christmas time, that one dollar is gonna make all the difference in the world. My uh number four was Batman Begins. It's a film I really enjoy. I thought it set the tone really well for the Nolan trilogy. I like Rachel Ghoul. I thought Scarecrow was great in the movie. Yeah, Liam Neeson's a fantastic yeah. fucking Rajah Ghoul. Yeah. Is the original Batman Michael Keaton by Tim Burton. Yeah, the 89 Batman film. The 89 that was Batman film. Also, my number film. three. So we agree. Hey, on well, this. for once, you and I are, we can be friends again for at least a minute. Yeah, everyone remembers, I mean, and for good reason, Ledger's performance as a Joker, but Jack Nicholson was also a fantastic Joker in yeah. his role. Now that we've seen Ledger, people are going to start comparing everybody to Ledger. Um, for, I mean, for good fucking reason, but Jack Nicholson crushed it. He did a great job. He was a very, very different Joker, but and still let's great. not forget that this Batman film easily had the best soundtrack out of all the Batman films. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that hard to have the best soundtrack out of a Batman uh, film, though? When you have Prince leading the way for your soundtrack, yeah, it's when really not this film gave us Bat Dance, I mean, it might be the greatest soundtrack of all time. At least top two. <laughs> Easily top two. All right, so what was your number two film? Uh, Batman Begins. You've already mentioned it. Great film. That Christopher Nolan trilogy is second to none. And I expect for you to mention Batman number one. Is, no, no, no. What's your, what's your number two? My number two is Batman vs. Superman. The one that you put at number eight. Uh, yeah. I forgot that that had been yeah. mentioned yet. I can't believe it. I don't even want to talk we about it. We see Batman brand criminals. We see him beat down Superman. It's just an awesome experience. And that, don't get me wrong. That film has flaws. It has a lot of flaws. But just <laughs> as from a purely, like, purely visceral experience, I really enjoyed that film. The nightmares in that in that film are actually pretty freaking awesome. And they really... In retrospect, set a lot of Justice League in motion. So yeah. if you watch Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, it's really not bad. It, it doesn't deserve my eight spot. Maybe it's my <laughs> maybe my seven spot. <laughs> really going on a limb. <laughs> yeah, it might be my number seven. Uh, but it really sets into motion Justice League. So if you watch Justice League and thought, "Eh, that's just all right," and you watch Dawn of Justice and thought, "Eh, that's just all right," watch them back to back. You might actually be surprised by how much you like them both. So that means that we agree on our number one pick. Yeah, I mean, and fucking I, I, duh. I know. Like, I almost hate that, like... No, I don't hate it at all. Like, if you don't think that Dark Knight is the best Batman film, then you are the worst kind of human being. 
And I, I agree. It's the best Batman film, but I wish there was a chance just for it to be up for debate a little bit more. I mean, but it's not. not yeah. I, I want it to be like, I want there to be five or six more Batman films right now. I want the Batman, the Ben Affleck film to be out right now. I want to watch it. I want to consume all that shit. But you know what? We're not in a perfect world. We don't get all the Batman films we want. So what we what we have, it's far and away the best. It is a 9.0 out of 10. Yeah. I just put weird rankings into this. <laughs> into our already ranked system. I don't give a shit. This is the ranking of a ranking system. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Dark Knight is the best. Heath Ledger's performance is the Joker. Is second to none. Sorry, Jack Nicholson. I think you'd agree. And it's not just that. Like, Ledger is fantastic. But it's just the way that they play off each other in that film. Yeah. That's like... One of the rare times, especially because Batman, especially he's written, especially in the comics, as like a godlike character for someone that's a human. Absolutely. And finally, you see someone that feels like an enormous threat to Batman. Yeah. Um, real quick backstory. I was in high school, and I went to see some shitty movie just because it had a preview for The Dark Knight. And it showed in that preview, because I watched it in, in IMAX, it showed the first scene of that movie with the clown masks, which by the way, in my mind is one of the greatest scenes. It's it's, it might be the best scene in any Batman movie. Do you remember what movie that was? You saw a terrible movie. Oh man. I want to say Will Smith was in it, but that's all I know. Mona Lisa smile. Will 30 Smith. dancing Havana nights. Will Smith is in. Oh my God. Yes. You're not in either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen any of those movies except for dirty dancing Havana nights, which I've seen like 10 times. I'm glad to see that you've lived. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. Because obviously Dark Knight Rises is the greatest. Oh, one more thing on that movie. Not Dark Knight Rises. Just Dark Knight. <laughs> is it the only super or the only superhero movie to win an Oscar? Not sure. just like an overall. It's it's the only one to have a acting Oscar. Am I, yeah. am I wrong? Uh, I... I would say you're right. I can't, I don't think any of the Reeves films got an Oscar as far as like the major awards. I'm sure some of them got nominated and won for costuming, uh, special effects, things All like that. that. Shit. But he got a posthumous award for acting like a motherfucker and then dying. Yeah. Which to me is more of a problem with the Oscars than... And not that film didn't deserve its credits, but there's been other superhero films that definitely deserve to get nominations. <laughs> Green Lantern, <laughs> Superman 3. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Batman vs. Superman. Where is Batflex Oscar win? Yeah, he definitely deserved it for that one. All right, we're going to keep talking about some more Batman shit because Batman fucking rules. Well, and Batman has a large family, and I, I really hope to see more of them come to the screen. You get a little bit of hint of that that never comes to fruition with the end of the Nolan trilogy when Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes and picks up the note that Bruce left him in the end hints that he might be Robin, uh, and they hint that his name is, or they don't hint, but his real name is Dick, as in Dick Grayson. And later Woo! this year, we're supposed to be getting Titanus TV show, I think on, no, it's not on T. it's either on TNT or the DC app that they're coming out with, one of those two. Coming out with a DC app? Yeah, so I think we'll see Dick Grayson in that, but the, from the photo, he was wearing Tim Drake's costume, oddly enough, but I thought that was kind of, anyway... What Hold I'm on, saying, there's a fucking DC app coming out this year? Yeah, it's supposed to have... I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head if it has. If it's going to have the Titans TV show on there. I'm sure it will at some point. 
I know it's going to have season three of Young Justice on there. Is it just like a streaming app or? It's a new streaming service. Oh, oh well, yeah. I'm yeah. marginally <laughs> excited for that at this point. Cool, um, I guess. But when it comes to the Bat Family, it's been it's expanded over the years, continues to expand when new writers jump on board. But who is your favorite member of the Bat Family? It's got to be one of the ladies, either Batgirl or Batwoman. Both great choices, but you got to pick between one of the two. I don't have to do shit. Can't make me do anything. All right. Uh, I'll be an asshole if you're going to be an asshole. Okay. Uh, Batgirl, because she gets paralyzed and or dies in some in some uh, reincarnations of Batman. You yeah. happy now? Yeah, when Barbara becomes Oracle, thanks to the tragic events that happen and the killing joke. Yeah, she becomes fucking Oracle, which is yeah. actually kind of a badass character. Yeah. And I then, think Batgirl might actually take it just, just on that fact alone. Then she eventually gets to the Batgirl rant, and I like Barbara Gordon a lot. Um, Barb. I really enjoyed Gail Simone's run on Batgirl. I thought that was a really nice run and did a lot for the character. What about you, you little bitch? Mine's the first Robin, uh, but as Nightwing. Dick Grayson will always be my favorite member. And actually, I enjoy all the Robins for what, what about they Tim are. Tim Drake, you piece of shit? I like Tim Drake. Uh, I like he's, Damian. Too bad he's dead. No, Tim Drake is not dead. He is if I want him to be. Okay. <laughs> you know, I guess like if he stopped reading comics at a certain point. <laughs> Then Tim's dead. One, he's got a fantastic costume. He's the first person that really stood up to Bruce and wanted to strike out on his own. And he's goes to take on his own city. And he seems like he's either him or Damien is the heir apparent to take over the Cal whenever Batman decides to retire, even though and Dick was Batman for a brief while too. Spoiler alert, Batman never retires unless you're watching Batman Beyond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here and keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Let's give some people a good jumping off point because you and I have both read a shit ton of Batman. Give me a few examples of where you would recommend people lift off. Yeah. Batman's one of those heroes that he's unfortunate to have a ton of great stories. Uh, and you can have your favorite superhero out there and they might only have eight or nine, or even less great runs in their entire entire comic history. But Batman, I would say, probably has the most out of any series out there between DC Marvel. It's I would say it's got to be Batman. And I mean, you're you're 100 right as far as classic stories go. You can think of like 20 Batman stories, and maybe you know five or six Spider-Man stories, or five or six Avengers stories. Like it's far and away Batman. Batman is the iconic superhero, I think. I think even more so than Superman, I would argue. Yeah, I would argue that too, but I mean I can see how you could make the other point. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can you can make whatever fucking point you want. <laughs> you can say that Deadpool's the greatest superhero that you want. It doesn't make it fucking true. I would recommend for a new reader one of the books I'd recommend, and we've talked about Scott Snyder before on the podcast, but The Court of Owls story written by him, drawn by Greg Capullo, which was his first book in the new fifty two. And it's a great launching off point. There's not a lot of muddled backstory. It's a really interesting story. It's really intriguing. Uh, the TV show Gotham borrows elements from that storyline too. And you get a little bit of the Robins in it. and uh, But it's mostly just Batman trying to overcome uh anniversary that has its roots deep in the city and the history of Gotham, much like the Wayne family. Yeah, Court of Owls is is really freaking incredible. It it brings new villains into the into the Batman story and it does them successfully, which isn't something that you see in, in the modern age very often. I actually never caught 
the uh, the Court of Owls thing. So I'm gonna on Gotham rather. Uh, so I'll have you talk to me about that here in a fucking second. But that's a, just a, an absolute fantastic story. And if you're wanting to like read a series, starting with the Batman Court of Owls, that Scott Snyder run is a fantastic place to to start a series, not just like a single comic book. What about you? Um, I'm going to go with one of the most iconic stories of all time because everybody knows the Joker. Everybody knows that Batman has extended family. So I went with the killing joke. Alan Moore. Holy shit. One of the greatest and biggest Batman stories of all time. And it ends with the most, in my opinion, the, the most iconic and questionable Batman image of all time, which is, Batman potentially killing the Joker. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I do, I do think it has the most iconic ending any Batman story to date. And it's, it shows the Joker one of his most fucked up Yeah, it's spots. a very dark version. I mean, and there's been a lot of dark versions of the Joker. This isn't especially, and it's mostly like, as Matt mentioned, because of what he does to Barbara Gordon. He, he also tortures Jim Gordon, too. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice story, too. It's... You can, it's a short story, so you're not, you have to invest a lot of time, but just a short amount of time you invest in reading that story, it's really worthwhile. It's somewhere in the range of like late 60s to early 80s in terms of pages. It's not a very long story whatsoever. I actually own the trade of it. It's, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah. I think it only comes in hardcover edition, so you can get it fairly cheap. It does. I actually, invested a little bit more money and got like the original oh fancy i don't, I don't know if i've showed you that i'll have to bring it over sometime uh, brian bollard is am i saying that correct i believe so but uh I is believe. the is the artist on that and he does some spectacular work the joker's uh hawaiian outfit yeah. is one of the the coolest and simultaneously creepiest things that you'll ever see and i think that's one of the things you get out of these stories is like that image of Joker in the Hawaiian tourist outfit. Yeah. It becomes iconic outfit for the Joker. You've never seen it before until this, this iteration and it's just fucking cool and it's creepy. And it's like, why is he wearing that? Why does he have a, why is he like dressed in Hawaiian tourist garb? And then all of a sudden he blows the spine out of Barbara Gordon with a gun. It's fucking sick and awesome all at once. All right. Give somebody, give our, give our, Sweet, sweet baby listeners, another Batman comic. Uh, another great place to jump off on, I think at least, is The Long Halloween, which is written by Jeff Loeb, drawn by Tim Sale. And it's a Batman story that takes place over a year, essentially. Uh, each issue takes place over a new holiday, where a new murder or a new crime has been committed. And it's a special Batman story in a way, because usually... In a Batman story, he will solve the crime in an hour or a month. But this is a case that he cannot shake. And there's a big mystery to it. Because even the reader, you want to know who done it. And it's nice, too, because it runs a gamut of Batman villains. You see pretty much, not all of them, but you see a lot of them throughout the story. I think it opens with Solomon Grundy, too, is the first one you see. Yeah, which is a which is a common theme in a lot of Batman trades. You'll start with Solomon Grundy and work into something more um, intense. But the Long Halloween, if I'm not mistaken, is a 12 issue miniseries, and arguably, arguably the best from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, who also did Hush. Yeah, they've a done a lot of story. great series. You really can't go wrong with any of their stories. I but as think, far as jumping off point goes, yeah. I think Long Halloween is is better for for new readers than than Hush would be. Yeah, there's not much. I mean, it's not a lot of backstory you'll need. You'll see characters that you're already familiar with reading it. 
And leaning with that, you'll probably jump off into something like Hush after you read The Long Halloween. I like it. I'll go ahead and get into my number two and then jump to my number one just because it kind of flows. So my number two is Batman Year One, Frank Miller. Great choice. I mean, where else should you start reading Batman but Year Motherfucking One? Uh, it tells an incredible good story how Batman got his start. The art in it is spectacular. There's lots of dialogue. It's fan freaking tastic. Go check that shit out. And then my number one, I'm not even going to really dwell on it too much. Number two, Batman Year One, number one. Not really in order for any reason. Uh, Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope, written, illustrated, and I think colored also by Paul Pope. Um, it tells a very unique Batman story that you would not get anywhere else. Nobody else can come up with something as bizarre as a 100-year-old Batman still doing the job, still doing everything in a very futuristic world. Really, really cool. Check that shit out. And the art is not like any other Batman art you'll ever see. Nobody has done Batman art like Paul Pope has. I've never read Year 100. It's always been on my list. I just never gotten around to pick it up. I've heard nothing about great things. I've, I think I've offered to let you borrow it at one point, and you said yes, and then I just never let you borrow it. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I don't want to gloss over Year 1 for Batman 2. No, it's it's so good. Um, I know people who don't read comics who've read Year 1. And like It's so so goddamn good. Yeah, Frank Miller is one of the greatest Batman writers of all time. Uh, a lot of the current Batman writers throughout history have taken influence from his tenure writing Batman. Some of Batman Begins is even from Batman Year yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. And it's some of Batman v Superman is all from Frank Miller's run on Batman. It's, he's a writer where you feel a lot of his touch throughout the character's history after he wrote it. And usually stuff tends to be a little wordier than a lot of Batman writers, but... That, it's extremely wordy, yeah. But you look at your money's worth out of it in that sense. But it, it's like reading a novel in a way. It, it really is. And he actually did Dark Knight 3 Masterclass, I think is what it's called. Just came out in, in hardcover. It's a 12-issue miniseries. Yeah. I read it. It's all right. I liked it. It was okay. Just, just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, Batman Year One is a several several years old now. Yeah. 90s, if I'm not mistaken, or early 2000s. I think so, around that time. Yeah, anywho, whatever. What's your what's your next one? Uh, also, next and last. I also recommend uh, Batman and Son by Grant Morrison, uh, art by Andy Kubert. We've talked about Grant Morrison a good few times, and, yep. and this is definitely, I think, his, his best Batman story. Yeah, he's written a lot of Batman. I'm a huge fan of Grant Morrison, as I've talked about before, and... This is the introduction of Damien, Batman's biological son, uh, daughter, or sorry, mother. His mother is Talia al Ghul, son of Rachel Ghul, yeah. I mentioned earlier. And she basically drops him off to live with Batman so he can be trained. Here you learn. go, motherfucker. Here's yeah. your kid. Bye. Yeah, she basically does just peace out. And Damien's a real obnoxious, annoying character. Who's he's so, a turd. Yeah, who's so sure of himself. But he's capable. He's very capable, which also, in a way, makes him more obnoxious, too. It definitely makes it worse. And he, Damien's one of those characters that certain writers don't have great skill when writing him. But Morrison, being his creator, really pulled it off. And that dynamic, not only between Bruce and Damien, plays really well, but like when Bruce encounters the other Robins. And you see the way he interacts with them, being it through jealousy or envy or just pure arrogance, wondering how they ever became Robins. It's a really nice touch. And Damien's young. I want to say he's... Anywhere from like 10 to 12, maybe 13. 
Yeah, but he's but a murderous little yeah, psychopath in this yes, book. But he is a murderous little psychopath. That's not that's a great <laughs> way to put it. Like he is someone that Batman cannot turn his back to when fighting crime because he might kill them. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing that I want to talk about before I guess we, we close this shit out, but by the way, excellent choice with, with Batman and son is some of the ongoing stuff going on right now. I am in the unique position for this podcast to be caught up on all the Batman goings on right now. But I just wanted to go over a couple things real quick with everybody. Cause if just in case you're wanting to get into the, the newest Batman shit that's going the on rebirth right now, line. the rebirth line. And one thing that's not even really rebirth, Tom King, go check that shit out. The war of jokes and riddles uh, at first frustrated me, which is the newest trade that just came out. He's and further along. That's the along main Batman storyline. It or is the, the main, main Batman comic, not detective or all-star. Yeah, but. it is the, it is the main thing going on right now. War of jokes and riddles had the latest trade come out. I'm caught up on the issues too, but whatever. Uh, and let me tell you, Alex, cause I know you've read this, this storyline. It is a story of the Joker and the Riddler. Let me tell you, at first, I was frustrated beyond belief. Let me tell you why. The Joker and the Riddler, I wanted the best storyline for the two of them. And this is not a story of the Joker or the Riddler. Are they facing off against each other? Absolutely. Are they a focal point of the story? Yeah. But you know what? The story's not about the Joker or the Riddler. It's about motherfucking Kite Man. And nobody but Tom King can make you care about an unknown rarely used Batman villain kite man. And you know what? At the end of this storyline, I was nearly in fucking tears. It's beautiful. It's sad. It's sweet. And God damn it. If it's not a little bit happy at the end. Yeah. And you're talking about your frustration a bit. And it's one of those things we and I both will enjoy, uh, Tom King's run on Batman. Which yeah, we I'd talked never... about before, but whenever a new writer that you enjoy, takes on the Joker for the first time, and you're expecting something major and something big. And it was, a, in terms of scale, a massive storyline. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's a huge fight between the Joker and the Riddler, and they both have huge parts to play. And Yeah, and it it is called The War of Jokes and Riddles, even though it's a Batman book. I thought Riddler had a great line when he said, when he's talking to Batman later in the series, and he's like, not every story is about you. Which yeah. I thought was a brilliant take on a Batman comic. And it really kind of puts the whole series in perspective, too. Or that storyline, at least. Yeah. Following following the jokes and riddles, which, by the way, if you've never cared about Kite Man, go read The War of Jokes and Riddles and tell me he's not your favorite Batman yeah, villain. Yeah, I agree. Whenever, I'll call you a liar. <laughs> whenever I read the synopsis, of it was like, oh, and the secret origin of Kite Man. I was like, okay, I guess I got a backup artist through that for no, the reason I'll read about it at the end of the series. It's all about motherfucking Kite Man. Yeah. And you know what? I'm totally okay with it. Because at, at first I was like, why is this Joker story and the Riddler story not more focused on the Joker and the Riddler? Because the Riddler, believe it or not, is actually my favorite Batman villain. Really? But I yeah. guarantee you if DC announced Kite Man issue one written by Tom King, you'd, I would, pull, yeah, I you'd would, put on your pull list immediately. I would go by the variants. <laughs> I would go by all that shit. Um, but something else is going on right now. I don't know if Alex even knows about it. He might. Um, but it's an eight-issue miniseries. It's a Batman story written and drawn by Sean Murphy called Batman White Knight. It's all about um, Batman basically kind of losing his crown of the the King of Gotham. And it actually turns over to the Joker. The Joker kind of strays right and becomes a hero of Gotham. 
It's currently halfway through its run, and it is one of the coolest Batman stories I've ever read. So if you've, you know, if you're looking for a jumping off point in Batman, Batman White Knight might be the way to go, just because everybody knows the Joker, everybody knows Batman. What happens when Batman falls from grace and the Joker rises in his place? It's way cool. I know you know Sean Murphy from um, all sorts of shit. Didn't he illustrate The Wake? Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, he's fucking incredible. And he writes his badass Batman story unlike any Batman story you've ever read. So check it out. What well, You're reading All-Star and Detective, aren't you too? Of course, absolutely. And those are three and four for me. It would go Detective Comics and then All-Star. Which, how do I put a... Scott Snyder written Batman at number four. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, Scott. No, I don't want to hurt you. If someone wanted to start with detective or all-star instead of like the main Batman series, what would their reasons be to like, what would they prefer if they were going to go with one of those series? If you're going with all-star, it's a Batman centric tale written by somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing with Batman and can tell a really cool story. Scott Snyder's famous for his storytelling, Detective Comics is more of a team book. You really get some some great solid insight on Batwoman. And that's written by James Timian. Yep, the fourth. Yeah. Um, and then you also have Clayface making some strong appearances. The new hero. I don't know. Uh, Nightwing's in it. You get Orphan. You get all sorts of heroes that you wouldn't typically get in a Batman book. Um, so it's it's really cool. And the first two trades of it are some of the best Batman I've ever read. And then three and four kind of fall off a bit for me. But number one is is one of the coolest Batman books I've ever read. Yeah, this might be a time where there's three ongoing Batman series through DC. And they're all fairly strong books, not really strong. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend checking it out. I'm, I'm super pumped to read the next six issues of uh, Scott Snyder's All-Star to see kind of where it takes me. Because it could, it could overtake something. But Tom King just did a two-issue little like date night thing between Batman, Catwoman, Lois Lane, and Superman. And it might be my favorite two issues of comics ever. It's so fucking good. I I can't believe it. Yeah, and I it's, it's very Tom King. Yeah, it's very, very I'll be reading it until the trade comes out in May, but I can't wait for that series. And you just, I mean, really teased my interest even more. So <laughs> I've got the single issues. I'm my goal is to make Alex go broke by buying single issues. So I'm just going to start teasing spoilers. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about does it for me and Batman today. Yeah. If you if we didn't talk about any series you guys love, be sure to let us know. If you want any more recommendations on what Batman series for other heroes to read or where to start, we've got tons of them. So you can always email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters. But for this week's episode of Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Ashback. I'm Jim Gordon. Henchman ain't easy.